Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. internal bra. Now I've got to be honest with you, I have actually written a blog post about this. Oh, damn, I put it in. I was going to cut and paste to it. How can I? I was going to put it in the, in the thing. Copy, paste. Is that got in the chat? I don't know how to do it in the... Oh, it's going twice. Uh, I don't know how... Oh, it's going on YouTube. Oh, screw it. Um, I've written a blog post about this. When did I write this blog post? I've got it up here. When was this? That is going back a bit. Does it say when it was written? It doesn't say. Anyway, um, ages ago it was. Um, and basically the blog post was entitled Why We Don't Do the Internal Bra Mastopexy. So perhaps that answers the question. Uh, well, I know, strictly speaking, the question is, can you do an internal bra? For those people on Instagram, the link is styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk forward slash internal dash as in hyphen bra um, but having said that you don't need to go there because i'm going to tell you the answer now um, so the answer is uh, the question is can you do oh microphone i've got this big thing here sorry facebook and instagram i mean not instagram instagram's just got two on two facebook back in the house um, the question is, can you do an internal bra? So you can do an internal bra. So question, what is an internal bra? So an, the, the internal bra refers to a technique that uh, is uh, widely performed for people having a mastopexy. A mastopexy is uh, also known as a breast lift. And one of the issues with a breast lift is that the, the shape always tends to settle and there is a lack of upper pole fullness. There's a lack of fullness in the upper part of the breast. And this is something that uh, we work hard to explain to patients preoperatively in order to minimize unhappiness postoperatively because I, I, I am always concerned that people having a breast lift have an image in their mind of what their breasts are going to look like after surgery. And that image will often um, involve having very full breasts in the upper pole. And the problem is that they always settle. And the more breast tissue you've got, the more they settle. So it's very hard to sustain that fullness in the upper pole and to give you that um, uh, full look that a lot of people desire. Now, the two things that can uh, give you that look. Now, the first thing, probably the most important thing, is clothes. So if you're looking at photos of people, um, if they're in clothes, then clothes can push your breasts up and you can get a, a not a false look of their breasts, but a not it's not how they look out of clothes because they've pushed it up with clothes. So anyone can push up their breasts in clothes and have them sitting up there. Uh, <clears throat> there's a famous picture of Victoria Beckham, probably really old now, with a, the breast is almost underneath the clavicle. Um, and that, that's due to what she's wearing. I mean, if she took the clothes off and the breast was still there, it would look a bit weird. So um, clothes is the first thing. And the other thing is implants. So implants do give more sustained fullness in the upper pole, which is why you combine breast lift with implants. 
But if you're having a breast lift without implants, it is important to be aware of the sort of shape that you can achieve. And it always does settle in the upper pole and give a concavity in the upper pole. And I always say to patients, it's a more natural look. But it, again, it's important if you are paying all this money having a lift that you realize it is going to settle and there is not going to be that fullness in the upper pole. Now, that's where the internal bra comes in because the internal bra does propose to address that problem and to keep that tissue up there. The problem is when you are not using an implant, if you're relying on the natural breast tissue, it will always be acted on by gravity and it will always settle into that lower pole and give that sort of that shape of a breast with the concavity in the upper pole and then the, the convexity of the lower pole and um, as opposed to sort of more of a sort of dome shape to the breast. Um, so the internal bra proposes to support the breast and give it uh, more fullness in the upper pole. There are several ways of doing that. Some have a sling, which is a prosthetic sling that can hold the breast up. Um, there is one which is like a cone. I don't even know which of these are still on the market because these have been around for a long time, whether they're still around or not, because as I say, I don't, I don't do it. So full disclosure, if you genuinely want an internal bra procedure, um, I wouldn't bother coming to see me because I don't do it. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But, um, but I don't, I don't, so I don't really know what the, the nuances of, it, of all the types available. But, but basically you've got slings, you've got one that is just a sort of, it's like a pyramid that goes underneath the skin and supports the breast and holds it up. And I think that they are solving a very worthwhile problem. I think it's a very real problem, that lack of fullness in the upper pole. And I think a lot of people would prefer their breasts to be fuller in the upper pole. And I think the concept of the internal bra is brilliant. The reason I don't do it is because like anything in life, there are negatives with it as well as the positives. So the positives are clear that you get sustained fullness in the upper pole without using an implant, which are very, which is very um beneficial now the negatives are one it's a prosthetic material so anytime you're using prosthetic material just like an implant's a prosthetic material it's a foreign body so that we do worry about infection because if you get an infection when you've got a foreign body in if that foreign body gets infected you have to remove it now that's bad enough if it's an implant but if it's something like one of these meshes or one of these um, supports these scaffolds often the tissue gets integrated into the scaffold and it's more difficult to remove than a, an implant would be. So that's one problem. Now you could argue infections are very rare, which is true, it wouldn't be an argument, it would be a fact. So um, infections are rare, but nevertheless, that is one thing that worries me. The other thing that worries me is that you have to anchor them to something and you have to anchor them to something that doesn't move. There's no point in anchoring into breast tissue because just the whole lot is gonna go. The anchor's gonna move with the boat. You know, you've got to anchor the the boat to something that doesn't move. If the thing you anchor your boat to moves, the whole shebang is going to move. So that basically means ribs, basically. It means your skeleton, it means the bones, um, which again is not unreasonable. And you can get little bone anchors and little things that you can drill into the bone and, and, uh, and, and put it into the bone to support it. But again, the worry is it's going to hurt because not again, not again, because I haven't said that already, but the worry is it's going to hurt. So it's going to be pulling on that periosteum of the bone and that that is a worry for me that that is going to pull and cause some discomfort um, and if you don't anchor it tightly enough obviously the whole the lot's going to move um, the the, do the dome shaped one you have to do quite a lot of um, uh, or the, the pyramid shaped one that you put in you have to do quite a lot of undermining uh, which uh, is in itself um, quite um, invasive to the breast to undermine that breast to put that uh, that mesh in so there's quite a lot of surgery involved with it 
there's a risk of infection and there's a risk that there might be pain associated with the um, anchoring of the the, uh, the, the, the mesh or, or the, the internal bra. So for all of those reasons, I'm out. I think it, I don't know who does it. I can't be honest with you. I don't know who does it. I'm sure someone does it out there, um, but I don't do it. Um, uh, but it is a thing, and it is uh, it is um, treating or giving an offer an offer for a very real problem. But uh, I think that the uh, cons outweigh the pros. But you might argue that you would get a better um, opinion from someone who uses it and has got experience with it, which would not be an unreasonable argument. So as I say, if you are thinking of having it done, you're probably better off talking to someone who um, does it to get a more balanced view. But that's my view on it. I'll put, I'll put my oar in. You know, I'm always happy to put my oar in. Uh, oar's gone in, and that is what has been decreed. Um, so yeah, internal bras are not the thing for me. What's going on? Instagram is kicking off. Um, that sounds brutal. Yes, yes. Lot of surgery is brutal, Corinne. It's just the, you're not you're not aware of it, but it can be. Which breast implants do you use in your practice? Thank you. Nice one, Aggie MC87. Thanks for the question. Um, so short answer, Aggie MC, is uh, Polytech um, mainly. I am not tied to any particular implant company. So as long as the hospital can get the implants, I will use any implant. If you have got a view about um, a company that you feel is good, I think there are some, as long as it's a, the hospital can get it, as long as it's one of the sort of more mainstream companies, I think um, they're all a pretty high standard these days. I think it's very hard for one company to say that they are um, better in terms of their manufacture of their implants than another. Um, there are uh, nuances with the implants um, in terms of different um, uh, texturing, different ways they do the texturing, different warranties. The warranties can change. Um, and so there are nuances on that. The main, hi Sue, the main reason that I, uh, so I used to use Nagel, I still do use Nagel for, for silicone. Um, <clears throat> the reason I, I sort of using more Polytech is there is only one company that makes polyurethane foam implants, and that is Polytech. So if you want to have polyurethane foam implants, then you uh, then that's easy. It's got to be Polytech. And the thing about Polytech is they're only the only company in the world where they offer every single um, coating. So they offer polyurethane foam, macro textured, which are sort of rough silicone ones, micro textured, which were sort of slightly rough silicone ones, and smooth. So you can have smooth silicone macro micro and polyurethane foam so those are the four types of implants that are available in the world and polytech offer all four and that makes it very easy when you're um, trying to choose an implant because i can measure your base width and i can give you an idea of what sort of volume you can have based on a low profile a moderate profile or a high profile and that will stay the same whatever type of implant you want whether you want a polyurethane one or a silicone one or, or whatever the problem when I was using different makes, for instance, I used to use Nagel, and Nagel are quite good because they do marry similar to um, Polytech in terms of the dimensions. But it can be a bit confusing if I say to you, you're based on your dimensions, you're looking at a 250cc round moderate profile implant, for instance, and then you say, oh, I want a polyurethane one. I'll be like, oh, well, it's not 250, it's 265. Oh, I want a smooth one. Oh, with that case is 240. It just gets really confusing if it's like 240 if it's smooth and 265 if it's polyurethane. 
you know, but they're all about the same. And then you're like, oh my God, what should I do? Whereas with Polytech, um, you say, look, it's going to be a whatever, you know, I don't know, I'm making up these numbers, 265, say, you know, and 265 will be the same uh, round, moderate profile, depending on any sort of coating. So that's why I um, stick with Polytech. But as I say, if people have got a view, then I haven't, um, as long as the hostel couldn't, couldn't get them, I've used most of them, um, most of the companies. What have we got? Um, we got Rebecca. I had size 52E breast. I'm losing them now after having gastric sleeve. I will love a breast lift late next year. They're very low right now. How do you do breast lift on bigger, low breast? Have you worked with Motiva? What is your opinion on these? Okay. Um, Rebecca, I'll come back to yours. I'll stick with Aggie because Aggie's asked follow-up from the, the type of breast implant wing, but I will come back to Rebecca, your question. Um, yes, I've used Motiva. Um, so they are they are micro-textured implants, um, so sort of not as rough as the macro ones and not as smooth as the smooth ones. Um, what is my opinion? Yeah, I think they're, um, they're micro-textured breast implants. Yeah. I think they're, they're, they're absolutely fine. I think Motiva are absolutely fine. If someone came and said they want Motiva, the problem is, Aggie, I'll tell you the problem. If someone comes and says they want Motiva, that's absolutely fine. Um, and I will, you know, you know, it's, if you want the Motiva, then fine, because I know what, where I am and I will get the dimensions similar. The problem is when I show photos, I show photos of people low, moderate, high and extra high. And then you make a judgment on that. And I've got to make sure those, those, um, Sort of sorts of images match the low, moderate, high, and extra high of a Motiva because actually Motiva don't even call it low; they call it different names. They call it Demi and Corsair and all sorts of funny names instead of low, moderate, high, and extra high. So we just got to look at dimensions and make sure the dimensions are matching the photos that I've got, so I can give you a realistic view. And I think they are pretty good Motiva, and not pretty good. I mean, it's not good or bad, but there was a company a while back, for instance, that made quite highly projecting implants. So that company, they were called Silimed. They their implants um, were quite highly projecting. So what I mean by that is a moderate profile Silimed implant was equivalent to a high profile implant of another make. If that makes sense. So that does get confusing for people if you're changing makes. If that make moderate profile is different to the one you normally use, and you're showing patients a photo of a moderate profile, saying this is the sort of result you can achieve with a moderate profile, and they say, well, what about this make? And that make moderate profile either is more or less projecting, you can run into trouble. I don't know if I'm making this clear, Aggie, or if I'm making life difficult for you. Um, but anyway, that's something to be aware of. So when I look at someone for implants, I base it all on the dimensions. It's all on dimensions. And so we would look at the dimensions of, for instance, a Motiva implant compared to maybe a Polytech. So I'd say, look, that is, you know, that is a, a comparable to a moderate profile round implant of these photos that I'm showing you. Um, but on paper, using Motiva implants is absolutely fine. And I've got no problem with them. Um, and um, yeah, that, they're, they're, they're absolutely fine. And Douglas is often on here, uh, who will no doubt sing the praises of, of Motiva implants. Um, and not least because he works with Motiva implants. But anyway, but yeah, I mean, I think, as I say, I don't think there's a bad company, or at least the hospitals wouldn't, you know, they probably are bad, you know, small, maybe not bad, but... You know, there was a problem a while ago with those PIP implants, which were quite a small <clears throat> niche brand that no, no, well, not many plastic surgeons use. I certainly never used them. Um, they were quite sort of um, low end uh, implants. So as long as it's one of the higher end implants with a, um, um, 
you know with a with a good background then then i think it's absolutely fine um thank you sounds good uh carmen's got a question here i'm gonna carmen i'm gonna go to rebecca i have 50 so 52 e breasts losing them now how do you do a breast lift on a bigger low breast so yeah the, it's a problem rebecca very good point rebecca so the problem as i said with a breast lift is that it can droop over time because of the volume of the breast and the bigger the breast the more it droops so that is a problem someone with a bigger breast who wants a fuller look like well it's gonna settle now it's gonna be better than it is but it is a problem so if you have got a bigger volume purely on looking at the longevity of the result you would be better going smaller because if you go smaller you take some weight out particularly some weight out of the lower pole you can make it less heavy and less likely to droop over time. Now, the problem with that is they'll be smaller. So if you don't want to be smaller, then you have to have that conversation and say, well, fine, you don't have to be smaller. You can have a lift, but it's more likely to maybe droop over time. The problem with making them smaller is it's a bigger operation, there's more risks, there's more costs with having a breast reduction, and it's a bit of a bitter pill to swallow if you don't want to be smaller. But it is an issue on someone who's got a bigger breast who wants them lifted so lifting bigger breasts does run the risk of them drooping or sagging or whatever we want to call it again. Um, and it, again, it's a conversation to be had preoperatively so you don't get an unhappy patient postoperatively about realizing what is realistically possible with a bigger breast and a lift, what sort of shape is possible. Because if you come in, go into surgery with your mind that it's going to be like that, you know, it probably will be like that when you first have it done, but six months later, it will, be, it will have settled to what I would say is a normal breast shape. But if you're like, wait a minute, I don't want normal breast shape. I didn't pay all that money for normal breast shape. I want a big breast up here. Then you've got to realize then that is not going to happen with a breast lift. It will settle. But it's a doable thing. How do you do it? You do it just the same. So uh, yes, just a lift, not bigger. I would like a lot smaller. So if you want smaller, then you're into the realms of a breast reduction, Rebecca. And a breast lift is an integral part of a reduction and um and will be perfectly reasonable so you you that that will be fine rebecca if you want it a lot smaller then that actually is in your favor because you're gonna um, have a better long-term result because the less weight the less they're acted on by gravity so that's not a bad that's yeah, you're on you're on a good good one there rebecca although still they will settle in terms of the shape but it'll be less than um if you were keeping the same size uh carmen what you got uh, this may be controversial, but with tummy tucks, I've noticed certain surgeons are associated with really nipping in the waist more so than others. I know this will depend on each patient, of course, but wondered if this is something you offer consultation and patient dependent, of course. Um, so nipping in the waist, Carmen, that is going to be, um, I'm assuming, uh, I mean, there's two ways you can do that. I, I was going to say, it's obviously going to be with liposuction. I mean, the other thing you could do would be with um, a fleur de lis to take skin out. Now, we always would... Well, not always, but usually would um, repair the diverification of the rectile muscles, which brings the width of the of the abdomen down. But you can't significantly uh, reduce the, the 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 width, the side to side dimensions of the of the uh, abdomen when doing a tummy tuck, unless you do a fleur de lis, which has a big scar up the middle, which I don't think is what you're talking about, um, because that that can be quite unsightly. So, uh, in which case, you're talking about liposuction to the to the sides um i mean yeah i mean we do do liposuction to the sides um not not 100 
sure what you mean by the nipping. I've got, I've got a vision of it, nipping in when you say nipping in. I've got a vision of what you're talking about. Um, I mean, the thing I would say, Carmen, is to look at before and after photos of the surgeon and see if they look all right. And if they look all right, fine. And if they don't look all right, then mm, I fancy something different. You know, I try and show realistic results of my patients that I have operated on, um, you know, and if you think they're good, then then fine. If you think actually you want something a bit different, um, then maybe someone else would be able to achieve that thing. Um, so I think most people... Uh, Certainly, most people having liposuction to the to the to the sides, to the hips and the flanks, want to have a bit more of a contour uh, on the sides, and I think that is an important part of doing liposuction. Um, and it isn't really something sort of extra that I would offer. I offer liposuction as an extra thing, but once you're having liposuction, I try and give a nice shape to everybody. I wouldn't say I do a nipped in, extra nipped in thing for some people and a less nipped in thing for other people, and to be honest also with you Carmen the thing that I worry about with liposuction is overdoing it so I do worry about overdoing liposuction and there are people who are doing quite um, extensive liposuction and I've seen people who are doing um, etching and contouring things with the abdomen um, which may be what maybe what you're on onto with your, with your nipping in and that is not me and I would worry about that because uh, it is very hard to correct an overdone liposuction. <clears throat> Obviously, there's a fine line between not doing enough and and uh, and doing too much. So obviously, you don't do enough, you still have fullness. What was that all about? But I'm very careful about not doing too much because if you start getting dents and contour irregularities, they're very hard to fix. But um, but yeah, so I do offer liposuction, Carmen, and I. That does help contour the sides and the and and the waist better, uh, and it would uh, it, and I do offer diverification repair or diastasis repair to try and make the waist better. Um, and the question whether that fulfills the nipped in look, I don't know. You'd have to look at the the photos and and uh, make a judgment on that. But uh, but yeah. Um, um, Fanny, yes, got a question. Where do you perform the operations? Which hospital for breast augmentation? So, Fanny, things have changed uh, in the last couple of years. I used to do regular lists at the Priory, which I was in Birmingham for a start. I don't know where you are in the um, in the world, but um, it uh, there's a hospital called the Priory, which is in Edgbaston in Birmingham, which is literally down the road from where my clinic is, and then there's Parkway, which is in Solihull. Um, because of the COVID. The hospitals have been used by the NHS quite a lot. And so um, not last year, the year before, it was very hard to get into hospitals at all. So I was going up to Liverpool quite a bit. To A friend of mine's got a place up in Liverpool. He's got a clinic where basically he's got an operating theatre. So um, I was doing quite a lot up there. I am still going up there because it is probably the most reliable um, source of operating theatres that I've got. But I understand a lot of people from the Midlands don't want to go up to the up to Liverpool. But it's um, it is quite nice when you get there, and it's just off the motorway, and it's quite easy to get to. So I'm still doing work in Liverpool. But having said that, it is coming back into the Midlands now. The Priory is not coming back because they are being used by the NHS quite extensively, and they're not doing any plastic surgery at the Priory, um, or at least any cosmetic surgery. 
So the Priory workers moved to Droitwich. So now I'm doing Droitwich and Parkway, the two hospitals in the Midlands I'm working at. Parkway's in Solihull, Droitwich is in Droitwich. Um, so those are two hospitals and we are getting lists. We have got lists. It is perhaps not as um, frequent as we might like. It's certainly not regular. I used to have a regular list um, at the Priory on a Tuesday and at Parkway on a Monday. And that was, life was quite easy then when I had a regular list, but I, it's no longer regular and it's quite ad hoc. So we just have to get dates when we can. When we can. Um, but those are the hostels I work in now. The Priory, um, the Parkway in Solihull, Droitwich in Droitwich and the Asset Hospital in Liverpool. And Carmen says, thank you for the um, answer. You're very welcome. Thank you for the question. What sort of wait time later this time do you have, please? Um, I don't know, Fanny. Maybe a few weeks for consultation. Is it? I don't know. If you want to drop, if you, what can I do? Can I message you or something? Or if you message me, private message, and then Amy or someone at the clinic can message you back. They've got the diary. Um, I think it's, it's, I'm going to say a month maybe for consultation or a few weeks, three, four weeks for a, for a consultation. Um, surgery, I don't know, a couple of months maybe. I'm making this up, Fanny. I don't know. I don't think it's like massive. Sure. But yeah, if you drop us an email or give us a ring, we can tell you for show what the waiting time is. So what we've got here is a question saying, do we offer B-Light implants? Thank you, Fanny. Um, who's asked this then? Who's asked this inquiry? So B-Light implants are implants which are silicone implants and they are lighter than um, standard silicone implants. And I think it's a very good concept. A bit like the internal bra. Great concept. Really good concept. And uh, I think it's, um, you know, if you said you want a lighter implant, then you say yes, please, because less weight and, you know, less pressure effects on the tissues, etc. <clears throat> I, so the concept was, is great. And I embrace the concept and I think they're good. And, well, I think the concept is good and they are expensive. Exhibit A. Um, hi, Jackie. Good to see you. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I've got to come, let's not skirt around the bush. I had a problem. I had a, I, I did a, 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 a case of beeline implants and I had a problem. They flipped, the implants flipped and uh, I flipped them back and then they flipped again. And both of this happened to both of them and it was very rare. And I don't know if it's anything to do with the implants, but I think you find a lot of times surgeons will do things based on what's happened to them and what their experience is rather than perhaps any sort of scientific data because i don't think there's any scientific data to suggest there's any problem with them i think they were taken off the market for a bit i think but i think they're back on now um but that has just put me off personally it's a totally personal thing i am put off because of my experience with them now um they are talking of or i don't i think they might have actually done it brought out a polyurethane foam coated one one of the benefits of polyurethane foam is it's much less likely to move, so it's extremely unlikely to flip. This is a rounded part, flip, flip it front to back. It's a very rare complication. Teardrop implants can sort of move, but uh, rounded parts to flip is very rare. So, um, I'm, you know, uh, uh, polyurethane foam would solve that problem, 
So I think that would be something that I might think of looking into again. But as you know, I think you'll find surgeons are a bit set in their ways, I guess. Um, I like to think I'm a bit more um, um, open to, to, uh, to, to suggestions and changes. But at the same time, um, I'm a bit twice shy, to be, to be fair. So I think the concept is good. Do we offer them? I, I have this conversation with people, basically, if they come and talk about them, and I'd say to them, full, full, you know, cards on the table. This is where, this is where I, am, I am with them. Um, it, it just gives me a, a bad feeling because of that problem. Concept is good, so that's my view on it. Um, do you do a breast reduction procedure through a liposuction? <clears throat> I tell you what, we're having a day of it where things that can be done but not really get done. So yeah, I mean that can be done, um, and and it's and, and it is something I have done. It is certainly not a common thing to do, and the reason it's not a common thing to do is because if you think of the difference between liposuction and excision procedures liposuction is really good at removing the fat and liposuction is really good in certain areas in areas where that skin is going to recoil because you don't remove any skin with liposuction and so in my experience liposuction is good on the outer thighs the hips the flanks the lateral chest wall uh, the male chest for gynecomastia Areas where the skin's a bit thicker and is going to recoil. Areas where the skin is thinner and is not going to recoil. You worry that liposuction is going to leave redundant skin in the same way that weight loss leaves redundant skin. So the reason people need a tummy tuck or a breast lift is often because of weight loss. Weight loss or um, having children. They both do the same thing. They stretch the skin and then you remove the stretching force and the skin doesn't recoil. So if you're doing liposuction to reduce the breast, you're removing the volume of the, of the uh, breast. So you're removing the stretching force, but you're not tightening the skin. And so they can droop more. So really, I would say liposuction is more for someone who is not perhaps a candidate for an anesthetic, who you want to do a quick procedure without a lot of scarring, um, and just because you want to take some heaviness out of the breast. But it isn't really great from a cosmetic point of view, in my experience, because it doesn't take any skin out and can actually make the breast sag more. So it is not a great procedure for a cosmetic breast reduction. If cosmetic breast reduction, you need to make the breast smaller, but you also need to lift the breast and make the shape better. Lifting the breast is an integral part of a breast reduction. Um, and if you do liposuction, there'll be no lift involved. And in fact, they will sit lower because you've taken volume out and they're going to sag even lower. The same as what happens when people have lost a significant amount of weight. So. Do you do it? Yeah. Do you do it often? No. Very select indication for it. <clears throat> Full disclosure, last question. Dogs at the door, last question, right? Um, following breast augmentation, what can cause the appearance of a ridge in the lower pole and will it always be noticeable? So this is, I believe, what we are talking about here. I need to annotate this with pictures, don't I? I should have, I should have prepared. What this is, 
is what we will call, I think what this is talking about is what we would call a waterfall deformity. And a waterfall deformity is where you put an implant in and the lower pole has a ridge in it. You have a have a, a, a sort of dent, sort of buckle in the lower pole. And it is due to the fact that the inframammary fold is a very um, well-defined landmark of the breast. The inframammary fold is the is the place where the breast hits the chest wall. It's the place where the wire of a bra sits. It's a very well-defined landmark. And we often have to lower the inframammary fold when we put an implant in. When we put an implant in, we're centering the implant on the nipple. And often, particularly people with a smaller breast, um, the, the, the distance between the nipple and the inframammary fold is very short. And if you kept that inframammary fold where it was, the implant would sit high, the nipple would look like it's low on the breast, and it would look odd. So we have to lower that inframammary fold so that the implant is centered on the nipple. And it's a particular problem with people who've got a bit of a droop to their breast. If you've got a bit of a droop to your breast um, and you need to lower that inframammary fold, you worry that that sort of droopy shape of breast is still there. The implant's here, the droopy breast's here, and you get a, um, I'm not gonna call it a double bubble. A double bubble is more where the implant descends below where you want the inframammary fold to be um, and gives a sort of similar appearance but it's it's a it's a slightly different complication uh, but both of which are a cause of a ridge in the lower part and a, a, a double bubble when the implant descends low is a complication that would probably need to be revised but if the inframammary fold is sitting where you wanted it where you planned it to be but there's a ridge in the lower pole with that memory of the old inframammary fold which is something we have to work hard at to try and remove that old inframammary fold because we want to recreate you a new one. But sometimes it is really hard and you get a memory of that. Um, it can be a problem. So that's what causes the appearance of the ridge. It's the memory of your old inframammary fold. If you look at your before and after photos, you'll be able to see that's where your fold used to be. Will it always be noticeable? Well, it will get better. So I don't know who this is and I don't know when how long post-op or, or whatever. If you're there, then please feel free to get back at me and, and give me these details. But yeah, I would say if you're within the first um, 12 months, well, certainly the first six months of surgery and probably 12 months of surgery, I would be hoping it's going to get better, definitely in the first six months. So I wouldn't worry too much about it in the first few months because the hope is that implant will stretch out that lower pole and it will become less noticeable. Um, and it is not uncommon for it to be quite noticeable to start with and then it for it to settle in time. Um, and ideally for, an, for a complication that isn't too bad, obviously if you look really weird and you're really unhappy and it looks odd, you probably want to get into a revision a bit sooner rather than later. But for a complication that maybe isn't too bad and particularly problems in the lower pole, which aren't visible in clothes, obviously out of clothes it'll be visible, but in clothes it'll probably look okay. You might want to wait a bit longer. So I would say if you can wait a year, just to see how it's going to go. You want to get it as good as it's going to be before you do anything. It might sound like a paradox because obviously if you want to get a good result, you want to get it sooner rather than later. You don't want to have someone unhappy for a year. But the longer you leave those tissues to soften and settle, the easier the surgery is going to be. It's horrible doing surgery too soon. And you want to get it as good as it's going to be to see whether you need to do surgery at all because it might be a chance you might not need to do surgery if it's going to sort itself out. So... Um, it may not always be notable, is the answer to that second part of the question. Give it a year if you can. And if it's getting better, give it longer. You know, as long as it's getting better, give it longer. The longer you leave it, the better, as, as far as I'm concerned. 
hope that's been helpful. Feels like the first one of the new year. Did I do one last week? Maybe I didn't. If I did, then nothing. If I didn't, well, this was a great first one of the new year. Um, thank you all for um, participating. And thank you for the questions that were pre-given beforehand. If you have any questions, please post them on Facebook, post them on Instagram, give us a ring and ask a question. I will do my level best to answer them. Same time, same place, 7 p.m. Yes, JJ, you did. Did what? Answer the question. Oh, I did learn one last week. Did I? Right. Thank you for that. I remember it was a good one, wasn't it, last week? Yes. Okay, so the second one of the new year in case fine. Yeah, thank you, Fanny. Nice to see you here. Uh, thanks, Corinne. Always a pleasure. Hope to see you soon. And I will be checking out uh, right about now. Uh, I wish you all a good evening. And thank you, Maxine. Nice bit of little getting in there, Maxine. Nice, very interesting talk. That's oh, sorry, I was late. Says Jackie, you'd have to say sorry when you put the hours in, love. Right. I am going to check it out of here. Nice to see Maxine, Fanny and Carmen. I'm going to check out of Facebook. And anyway. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.